Hello, hello. Welcome to Tuckered Out with me, Ami Tucker. really enjoyed my interview today. I felt like I have known this guest forever. Buja Shah is a visionary poet who shares her voice through written and spoken word, guided meditations, and teaching. Born in Queens, New York to immigrant parents, Buja has over 10 years of nonprofit experience and a long public health career. She has also created a campaign aligned with girl trafficking awareness causes for her upcoming debut novel, for My Sister, which is fantastic. And For My Sister comes out on October 18th, 2022. We had such a great time talking about all things India, our relationship to our culture, all things mom, um, and of course, making fun of ourselves. We also talk about her other organization, Chai Mamas. Uh, their goal is to guide and inspire a new generation of South Asian women to lead a positive healthy and culturally infused lifestyle. It's a fantastic uh, group. Uh, I follow them on Instagram, which is how we met. So I hope you guys enjoy my interview with Buja Shah. You wrote a book. This is very exciting. I know. In the time we've been talking, it just transpired. Um, <laughs> I don't know if we got a chance to look at it. I know it was like such a quick turnaround that we were finally able to connect. And I'm so glad we made it work because I think last minute is always easier than let's do this in two months, you know, because always. Have, yeah. Especially since we're we're moms with like 10 different careers. No, I did. I did get a chance. I didn't I didn't get to read the whole thing, but I, I did dive into it. So um, so I want to talk about um your relationship with India and and what you said in your in your introduction. I know you you had mentioned, you know, you love India, like I love India. I have a strong connection to the country, obviously, you know, a lot of people a lot of Indians don't, so I can't say obviously all of us do, but I do as well. And I grew up going to India every summer, you know, uh, to to Bombay mm-hmm. to see Nana Nan Nana Nani Dada Dadi, all the cousins. And then I ended up living in India twice once uh, in Bombay for a year, and then second time around with my husband for three years. So basically saying I feel really connected. I I love our country. But like you, I questioned a lot of these rituals and these customs that our culture incorporates and their relationship to women. And the older I've gotten, and I believe you have a daughter, Yeah, I do. I have a 10 year old. Yeah. So I have two daughters and the older I've gotten and and now with two daughters, I definitely, I feel a little less connected to our culture because of the role women play. And so when you mentioned that in in your introduction, I'm like, yep, totally feel the same way. How, how is your relationship? How do you feel about our culture now that you're an adult with, with a daughter? I completely hear you on all of it because that is what I almost want to say that those questions are what drove me to write this book. Right. I mean, I remember going to India like you um, with my parents. We visit family. Um, It was it it was just 
it's such a different world, especially because we were, you know, we grew up here. I was born in America, you know, and for my parents, this was visiting a world that they had been in. Um, and for me, it was like, I'm going to a new world. And I remember so much of it that I loved uh, and still love. And I think the things I questioned were just blatantly obvious to me because in my life, it was so different as an American girl. Um, and things like, I remember once it was um, going into the temple when you don't, you know, when you have your period and I, and I didn't understand it. I said, well, why is this? It was like, everybody made it feel like you're so dirty to have your period. Right. And I remember being like, I don't understand. And especially because it's what gives life. So I was like, I don't understand why this is a horrible thing. And the misconceptions and over time, what evolved as I think, like, I called it the second class citizenship of women in India and, and all around the world. Part of my work in Uganda with the Girl Power Project, I saw the same thing. It was this idea of women as as not and, and forget about not even being equal, but deemed as less than. And I think that's what drove me. I'm like, I don't understand why girls and women around the world are less than because I never felt that way. Um, I was blessed to have a family that like you, right? Like that just made me feel really good. And and I never had to really question or think about it. Um, and that is why it stood out to me when I was thinking about it. And and like you said, with our girls, I mean, I look at my daughter and I think I never, ever want her to feel like that. And the world is going to treat, throw that at her in America too, right? We're not, we're not, uh, we have a lot going on right now that we're talking about too, with women and control and uh, and, and so in general, I just I, I, I think putting out work that um, that addresses the idea of what we need to change, uh, the awareness around something that is so that is happening everywhere and worldwide. Um, you know, it, I remember when I was working with a nonprofit in India that I did research with, I mean, 40.3 million, uh, you know, people are displaced because of human trafficking. and. And so many are women and children, the majority are women and children. So it's like, well, what is that saying about our world? And as South Asians, um, we come from this beautiful goddess culture that that is what I've been trying to pass down to my daughter, because that is empowering, like the true nature and the essence of our uh, history and culture that before we had all of this misunderstanding. And and so, I mean, part of I, I mentioned it a little bit in the author's note, but, um, you know, I studied meditation and yoga and, and to understand the true core of our culture is uh, rooted in Vedic knowledge is we really do have a place where we lifted women. There was a time in India where this was not like this. And yes, we can call it, um, because of the invaders and we can call it, uh, you know, just the evolution of what had occurred regardless of how and where, where that went astray. Um, I can't, it's hard for me to understand how someone is praying to Lakshmi and Saraswati, yet in the same breath is, is condoning violence against women. And so that is really the just, the, the juxtaposition that I look at in the novel where um, both characters have this really torn identity and, and torn understanding of, of being girls, but then yet also uh, seeing all of this beauty about women and and how they're respected in other ways. And so that that is what I think every girl around the world feels. Why 
do we talk about the mother and like the divine, the divinity around that? And then yet we don't take care of our women in some places. So, uh, so that's really the crux of the novel. Right. And, um, and I agree with you having daughters changes that. Right. So a few things. So it, it's really hard for me to admit, but in all honesty, you know, like, like you just said, we, we grew up here, you know, our families treated us equally, but now that I'm in my forties and I look back and I, and I really reflect on, you know, growing up and, and being an Indian American girl and my thoughts on my role as an Indian American girl through parents, through going through Mandir, through Bollywood, I think there was always an undertone. I mean, just watching Bollywood movies, you know, and uh, looking at the role of women in the 80s and 90s, especially those movies, I think there was always a part of me that felt less than. I don't I don't think my parents ever intended. I don't no. think, you know, I have an older brother. And outwardly, we were not treated, we were treated the same, right? But there was always this undercurrent of, I don't know if it's called less than or, you know, I have a different responsibility than my brother did kind of thing uh, or, you know, watching, like I said, Bollywood and watching these women not really play these lead roles. I realized that I, it was kind of in me as well. Like that thinking synced into me that, oh, wait, I didn't realize that I had this traditional way of thinking and I didn't even know it, you know, until I got older. And the second thing that's really hit me Recent, more recently, the past 10 years was when we were, you know, getting pregnant and having kids. I have two daughters and I could not be happier. They are like my everything. But I remember thinking before we got pregnant, I have to have a son. Why? Like, why was I thinking that? You know, so there was definitely a part of me that that had this kind of backwards thinking and didn't even realize it. And the second thing I do think you're like you said the Vedic scriptures and our our culture was built on uh, you know to to give women power and respect. It's the people that have changed it at the end of the day, which happens to a lot of cultures and religion, right? I I I love what you said, the undertone. It's that undertone. Yeah. Um it's like why is that so embedded in every action and every thought, you know, and and that's because it's everywhere. It's in our media. It's in, like you said, the Bollywood movies. It's in um, the ways girls can't do this, quote unquote, or, um, or or all these little sayings. And and no one is outwardly saying women and girls are uh, are not equal, right? right? Like that's not what they're saying. It's it's just this um, the ideology that that's placed, and um, and I think. Those questions in the novel, um, one of the sisters, they're both twins. I have this like insane fascination with twins. I'm, I like okay. used to read a bunch of novels when I was younger about twins. And and I also have a sister and her and I are insanely close. And so really the idea of sisterhood, and as you know from uh, just what we put out on Instagram, the Chai Mamas, the handle I co-founded. And, and I think this idea of sisterhood and the importance of women coming together, um, I wanted to almost create space for that between both characters. And so Amla and Asya are both very different. Um, one sister questions everything and she says her mind and she gets in trouble for it. And the other one is more like, oh my gosh, I got to control my sister. I've got to be good. I've got to 
follow the rules, you know, which is very common. I, I interviewed this twin psychologist and she's like, this is very common to have completely different personalities, but, uh, but yet they could have this like ESP connection. And so that's really what drove, that's really the crux too of the novel, which is their relationship. And I think, uh, and I think that on a larger scale is this, like you and I coming together and talking about this uh, openly, discussing what it is that that isn't right, uh, right. that doesn't feel good, and, right. and for women to make that change—that's that's the centuries in the making. That's the the light out of this. That yes, we see all this, these undertones and society differences. We have our daughters, but now what? Yeah, so let's talk about it. Let's bring awareness to it. Right. That's the only way it's going to change. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 letting them see us do it, and by you know, the one example I can think of growing up, and it seems so little and minor as a child, but like every time we would all get together, you know, all the Indian families, the the men would eat first and the women oh, would eat second. Uh, that was, that's so funny. That's what I, I had that in my author's note at first. Yeah. Um, but we couldn't get the languaging right to explain okay. it okay. because it is so hard to explain, but it's yeah. the truth. Women it's... have to wait and the men go sit down and eat. And then the women are cooking and then they're also cleaning afterwards. And it's just, again, growing up, it was like, it's fine. Yeah, and they're serving. And it didn't really hit me at all. Like, I became an adult and was like, no, no, <laughs> this is why, why do we? No, we, we've changed it. Yeah, we've changed it. So even, even things like that, you know, are changing, um, yeah. but they make a difference, you know, growing up and just seeing the role the of the aunties and uncles and, and, and how it was so normal for our parents. Okay, so back to you. So you actually, I know you mentioned in your work in India, Uganda, and then you also studied, uh, your mentor was Dr. Marsha J. Tyson Darling, who was a professor, and, and she taught women in international development at uh, Adelphi University. So talk to me about uh, working with her, and then also your your time in India and Uganda and what you learned. From, I mean, I'm sure you learned a ton, but what you took away from all of that. Yeah, so talk about many hats. Um, I, Dr. Darling is who did my author's note with that. Her, her and I met when I went to college. That was uh, many years ago. Uh, and when when I took her course, I took her first course in women's studies. She was a visiting professor at the time from Georgetown. And and I everybody was like, you have to take her class. So And I was so into, into that idea. So I took the class. I, I ended up taking all her classes. She taught African-American studies. She taught... Um, women in development. She taught a few courses that just spoke to me. And my paper that I had written with her, which I recently randomly dug up from my parents' house, uh, which I'll never forget, was on on global femicide and what opened the door and my idea of this and further took my knowledge past just the questions was I started studying SAPI, um, you know, the, the form of, of, of widow suicide. Um, of course, FGM in Africa, there were a number of, of, I guess I was just these like almost ideas that I was so foreign to. I could not even fathom and understand how uh, this was allowed, right? Um, yes, and dowry, and then all the dowry killing um, in, you know, the, the infants in India uh, being drowned in milk um, that were girls when they were born, and then they having to, I mentioned this too, having to uh, ban. Uh, there's just gender, you know, revealing the gender when when you're when you have a baby because 
And I thought, how does a country have to ban this? Like, what is happening that is like this disastrous, right? Like, so that's what started that inkling and knowing. At the time, um, I was in a program for dental school. So to back this up, I have always been a writer. Um, I used to write poetry and won all these awards. Um, But just like many South Asian families who immigrated to the U.S., uh, post-civil rights, during the Immigration Amendment Act. My parents were amongst the few with their favorite professionals at the time. They had finally let people in again. And my parents were the few that were told either you become a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, that is your only ticket out of India to get to America. That's what they did. Um, And when I was like, oh, you know, getting all these writing awards, my parents were like, oh my gosh, this is such a great hobby. Like, you're such a good writer. And meanwhile, these teachers were like, you understand your daughter's gonna like this is this is unheard of. And I didn't know any better either. I was like, oh, this is great. Like I just love doing this. Um, my mom's like, I really think you should go into, you know, just basically go into the same field dad and I went into. So I did. I I it's went safe. To I went to it's safe for them, right? It's safe. Yeah. Don't worry. Yep. Um Mind you, I was like performing spoken word while I was in grad school. This is like, you know, I'm studying biology and gross anatomy. And then I'm running to um, a yoga studio and studying spoken word. I mean, this was those were, I guess, my salvations. Right. Like I needed something to at the time I was so young. I'm like at 19. I can't I couldn't probably even imagine um, what that meant. the, The track I was going on. I'm like, oh, whatever, you know, and and it wasn't really until um, I discovered meditation, uh, you know, I had just like my father got sick. There was a lot happening where I, I went into inward. And um, and that's when I really started wondering, like, what am I doing? And I started a career. I wanted to go into public health because social justice has always been important to me. And I thought that was what I wanted to do. So I went, I worked in public health. Um, I went to Uganda through that initiative, uh, through the Girl Power Project, it's a wonderful organization. And that's where I, while I was opening a dental clinic there, I, I fell in love with the Girl Power Project, which okay. essentially is an educational program, um, lifting girls and providing education. And, and, and their motto is basically when you empower a girl, you empower a whole community. Uh, and I started doing work with them. And and then I started continuing that endeavor. I became a, a, a board member on a nonprofit, a local nonprofit for children. Um, I, we eventually started our own non- family nonprofit. And that life of mine, I, it was almost like I was doing two things. I was public health for California State, and then I was doing this. And so at one point during the pandemic, I'm like, I'm not traveling anymore for work. Um, I finished my novel. and. I looked at my life and I was like, what is happening right now? I also turned 40. It might've been a midlife crisis, but whatever it was, it was great because I, um, I had a wonderful career and I let go of it because I realized it's not serving my ultimate purpose. It's not, I'm not moving towards a dharma, right? Without really being true to what it is that I wanted to accomplish and achieve and be. It's never too late, my friend. It's never too. It's never it's too late. It's never too late. No. It's never too late. And and you know what, Maya Angelou didn't become an author till forty one. So yeah. I, you know, I, I remember think reading that many years ago. Like, okay, I got this. You know, yeah. and 
And the minute I let go, I mean, I, I was like getting rejections. I didn't know if I'd make it. The minute I let go, the minute internally that I let go, I I got a book deal. And so I have to like understand that this energy is more than just, you know, that these questions were there for me because I needed to answer them at some point later right. in life. And so all of that came full circle. Um, and so I contacted Dr. Darling, coming back to that, after almost 20 years. And I said, I don't know if you're going to remember me, but you changed my life with your courses. And um, and I had gone into her office one day. I became very close to her. And I said, I'm not sure I want to be a dentist. I'm not sure what I'm doing. I actually don't understand. And she looked at me and she said, well, go with that. Like she was so, uh, you know, and I didn't at that time because I'm like, well, maybe not. You know, I wasn't. I wasn't there yet. And uh, and so now that I'm here, I contacted her again. And it's been amazing working with her. Um, it, it almost feels like we were brought together on purpose this way. Right. So Right. That's so cool that it came full circle. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, uh, first of all, like we... Like I, I said when you were talking, it's never too late. I, I discovered my passion literally at 39 and also kind of led two lives, right? I, I went to law school, became a lawyer um, and was doing that. But on the side was trying everything else I could to because I knew there was a side of me that needed to do that. So you know what? We, we're, we're there. We're on, our, we're on our right paths now. So it's it's all good. You asked this question. Cheers to that. You know? Cheers to that. Seriously. Um, you asked this question in, in your intro. You, you asked, is the second class status an unequal treatment of being a girl inescapable? Have you been able to answer that? That's a good question. Um, I, I'm still answering it. Okay. I think there's so much work to still be done. Right. Uh, but it's, it is. It's escapable. My my character. I don't want to give away the novel. Um, she shows that. You know, uh, there there is a there is an innate almost um, calling for all of us to know our truth, to know what we deserve, to know what is right. Um, you know, we're seeing it right now with what happened in Iran. I mean, mm-hmm. so it is. We know what is. But we know what what truth is, and I think um, as women, uh, the more we can show that and work towards that, the more we're going to change it for our girls, just right. like history did for us. Right. And so, yes, it's a, it's escapable. It starts at home, right? It starts it at starts home. Starts at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where it all where it all starts. So it makes me so happy that our girls are going to be learning and going to be surrounded by those thoughts like positive strong you can do anything thoughts without hopefully any undertone you know i hope i don't pass any of that down it's really hard uh but i really try to make sure but i do too and i think yeah. that consciousness is what we're right. striving for um, for sure for sure and you know what's great about our girls is i think with my daughter especially she is a fiery you know fiery girl uh, she will call me out yeah. And I think that is so awesome because yeah. I'm like, and, and you know, that can happen that like trigger. You're like, oh, oh my God. But then I'm like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what you should be doing. Be doing. Call mm-hmm. me out. Mm-hmm. Because guess what? I'm not perfect and not nobody is. Yeah. And, and I need this because I'm evolving as a human. Right. And trying to be 
that for you, you know? Right. So no, I totally agree with, with, we can have a whole other podcast on this, but <laughs> with, uh, <laughs> um, calling me and my husband out. Cause you know, I didn't do that to my parents. Like that wasn't even no, part of like, that wasn't even allowed. But with them, when they call me out, I make sure I pause and say, you know what? You're right. And mommy is sorry. Or no, daddy is sorry. Or good point. Like, we really appreciate you saying that. So they know what they say matters, which I think I, ne- I never got that ever. Never, never. <laughs> no, it was no. like opposite, you know. Uh, totally. So, like, um, shut up. <laughs> yeah. And not even and not even in a bad way. Was no. What, what was um, taught. And so that was the other thing is when I was writing the book and about the family dynamics. Um, right. So, you know, I'll give a little bit. But one of the girls at some point says she no longer wants to um, speak to her family anymore. And that is not something, quote unquote, normal um, in Indian society, right? Like, even when we're, the boundaries are not there, right? So so it's like, what I, what I really wanted to do was to give her this enough agency so that, that that's understood, that that's okay, that she needed that because she had just been through this traumatic situation and for her to choose what was right for her is okay as an Indian woman. And so that is a girl or, you know, so right. um, it's also, it's also that like this evolution too of, of what's accepted. Right. And so our daughter's calling us out is because they're not accepting things. And, and we have to kind of remind ourselves of that, right? right. Like we're changing. We want change. We got to, you know, we got to embrace this in all levels. So it's totally. And, it's and, a, and then it's a process. The, I love that you said that. And and the, and the last thing I'll say, and, and I don't know what your experience has been, but for me as a role of, you know, being an Indian American wife um, to an Indian American man and being a daughter-in-law, that has really triggered me in terms of putting boundaries up as a daughter-in-law, as, yep. as a wife, um, and it's really actually forced me to really look into what my role is, maybe more than anything else, um, because that role is so traditional um, in terms of being a daughter-in-law. Yeah. Um, I didn't change my last name, not because I don't love my husband, 100%. He's the best, He's my best friend. Initially, it was because of laziness, <laughs> because we moved to India a week later. And I was like, I'm not changing it's, my, it's my, my yeah, like, visa, lot. my OCI card, all our, everything was under my tucker. And then eventually I was like, why? And now, and now he, I mean, he was, he, he wanted me to, and I don't think it was a, oh, you know, you must kind of thing. I think he'd like the idea of the unit. But now that he has two daughters, I was like, they don't have to change their last name to their last name right now is Ravel. And it's hard. There, there are days when I'm like, I have a different last name than all three of them. But I keep telling them, I'm like, you know, the, the only name that matters is mommy. That's the most important name for you, for, you, for you to remember. And two, you have a choice to keep your last name if when you get married. That's all I'm trying to show you. And so it's hard, though. Sometimes I'm like, oh, yeah. 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 No, I, I love that you're saying what I love is what you just said. You have a choice. Yeah. yeah. I think choice. teaching our girls those three words. Yes. For everything yeah. in their life. Yeah. You have uh, four words. Okay. Uh, you have a choice. Yes. You know? Yeah. I mean, that is, that's it. That's it. Um, and, and living that. And it is hard. Um, it's funny because in the novel, um, the 
the mother-in-law is super traditional. I mean, they're from a small village outside of Mumbai. She's very traditional. Um, there's this like battle between the Dadi and the Nani. Yeah. You know, there's like all of those elements. And not to make it too like Bollywoodish, uh, but really I, I was just trying to capture the understanding of of what it meant for for Amla and Asya's mother to go into a new family. Um, and that is really what it is. It's this transition instead of emerging right. so much. So often it's looked as a transition. Like the woman leaves her family to go to his family. Right. And I'm like, this is such bullshit. <laughs> no, you're just merging yeah, families. Right. right? No and one's so, leaving anywhere. <laughs> right. And so, I mean, I had a, a really wonderful experience with my husband's family. But again, there it's also... Um, I, I understand the intricacy of it. And so let's say I didn't, let's say I was not from the Indian culture um, and, and didn't really understand all of this. Would that have been easy for me? I don't know, you know, yeah. because it wasn't so blatant. Nothing was that blatant. But like you said, there's always undertones of things. Always. And so in the novel, it's quite blatant what's going on. And 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 eventually um, the girls do have come to understand their grandmother from where she was coming from. Even after all of it, uh, you know, get they still again, like I told you, have a boundary. And right. so understanding that, I think that's the hardest part. But it's just like you said, you have a choice. And and, and that goes both ways, right? Like, it's like you have a choice to pick your battles. You also have a choice to understand what's that important to you. And showing right. our girls that balance, especially in a culture that has so um, such depth is important. And, totally. and that's. You know, I mean, that's another whole another podcast. Oh, another seriously, <laughs> we're gonna have to do a part two to this. <laughs> have you seen? Um, I don't know if you watch Zarna Garg. Yeah, she well, she was on my podcast. Um, yeah, okay. uh, oh, I, I interviewed her. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I interviewed her last year, and I I, I keep up with her. Uh, on I mean, I love her. She's we've, the best. Yeah, we've worked with her for time. I love her, and yeah. so what's funny though is when I was going to go see her. Uh, you know, I said, oh, when I, we were in New Jersey visiting my in-laws and I'm like, when I get back to San Diego, we're actually going to go visit Zarnagar coming to San Diego. We have like a whole meeting with her and then we're going to go to her show. They were like, oh, who's Zarnagar? So I didn't realize I pulled up one of the videos. The right. Video it was, um, um, I didn't even know which one. It was like, she's so funny. It was the one where she's like, my sister, um, is so lucky because she has a big house and a dead mother-in-law. Okay. So I pulled it up, played for my in-laws and they're like, I know. And but what was so great is my mother-in-law. She is, she is really like, she yeah. couldn't take a joke. And so she was like, Oh, that is funny. I'm like, I know. And I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> You're like, uh, I didn't mean to do that on purpose. My bad. <laughs> I was like, Oh no, I did not mean that at all. You know, but it was, it was funny, but I'm like, Zarna is not afraid uh, to yeah. talk about that, which I think is also, she's just, she's just, um, She's highlighting all of these things in our culture in a in a comedy, right? Right. So, right. Which I really kind of love too. So, I, I think I think all as South Asian women, first generation, here we are. What are we going to do? We're going to we're right. going to change it, and we're right. going to do it in the ways, in the artistic ways that I think people can receive it. So, whether right. it's like comedy, talking about it on your podcast, in a book. I mean, these are the ways I think we can bring this to light. You right. Know? I mean. I, did you ever see Slumdog Millionaire? Of course. Of back course. in the day. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I remember so many aunties and uncles being like, why are they talking about, this is so bad. Why are they talking like this about India? And I'm like, oh my gosh. So I remember my husband, like, uh, we were talking about the book and I was like, you know, 
I wonder if anyone's going to say that, if they're going to be like, why are you not only talking about, you know, Buddha's birthplace? Why are you talking about right, <laughs> right. in India? And I'm like, oh, right. because it's a really big problem. <laughs> so, it's yeah. funny. Like, I, I feel like a lot of Indians, and I'm going to call out Indians from India, are in denial of so many things. Like, mm-hmm. it's, and I'm talking about people I've met in real life, you know, just, you know, and gen- generally speaking, a lot of times they get so offended quickly about things if, yep. if if it's something they think is, you know, degrading India or talking bad about India. And I'm like, dude, as Americans, we shit on America all the time. Like, we're honest about what's going on in this country. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like, we love it. America is my home. This is my country. But we're going to also be honest about it and say that this is the crap that's going on. And I feel like Indians don't do that about india they they they're, they're too ashamed and denial um anyways again all that podcast i want to go back to your writing okay so yeah. <laughs> you started writing this a while ago i don't know when you started writing it one how was uh, you've been a, a writer but writing a book is like a whole different uh a whole different thing so how was the writing process for you writing this book and i've talked to a few authors uh alka joshi was on and how does it feel having this baby out in the world, right? Like just is, was it nerve wracking? Is it still like, does it feel like vulnerable? Like, how do you feel? It is such an interesting process. I initially, I was, um, it's all excitement. Like initially, I'm like, I'm so excited. But then, I mean, I think every author may tell you, it's like when you put your baby out in the world, you, for me, I wanted every little thing to be quote unquote perfect. So I was like, in crazy edit mode, right? Like right. I mean, every time my editor sent me something, I'm like sending her something back. And she's like, okay. I, I mean, she was great. Uh, it's just that like even even like random sentences, I would dream about them at night. Like, is that how, is that, the, you know, do I want to wow. use this adjective instead? I mean, I was living and breathing it. I mean, almost to the point where um, I, I, I was obsessed. It was like, you know, and, and I think, I don't know if that's normal, but that's how I was. Um, yeah, I have talked to some other authors, and 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 what it's it's so it, it's literally like um, like you said, a baby, but it's also it's like a representation of my inner world. You know, I don't right. know how else to put it. And so everything that matters to me um, in this story is now suddenly being out, and everyone's going to read it, and that is a vulnerability. It's yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's definitely exciting. And it's also like, wow, how is this being received? However, the process recently that I did, like I sent you um, the digital advanced reader copy, I've been able to send it to a bunch of authors. And I think that was so, maybe they do this on purpose. Maybe this is a publishing secret. You like, I felt so validated, right? Like I needed to probably see that because I, I was like, is this a good book? I don't know. Yeah. And then suddenly hearing that it was from these authors I respected was like, okay, here, we're, we're in a good place. Now. I'm legit. I put it yeah. Out. Yeah. I can put it out. You know, right. I mean, that, that's what I think I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to put it out. And what are the, you know, what's going to happen yeah. now? I'm like, okay, here we go. Let's, Shanti, let's go already. You know, it's scary. Yeah, it's scary. Through. It's something you've worked on for this long. And it's like coming from your heart and, and I'm sure, you know, you've done research for years and it's been kind of part of, of you for so long. And then to have, to to put it out there and wait for reviews and critiques yeah that can be stressful for sure i can imagine but i mean you did it so congrats it's amazing 
Like, so this book, and again, I you know from your introduction, and I, I read the first few chapters of it. Um, I know you wanted to kind of represent the female voice, the voices that are trapped, right? What do you hope readers get from reading this book? Like, what was I know readers will get different things from the book. In your mind, though, what what would you want them to take away? So I, I guess that's yeah. I think. For me, I think the reason I became a writer, the reason I love writing is um, the stories I heard as a teenager, as a, in college, um, the books I read. And, and I think in culmination wise, like all the books I read, probably talking about uh, empowering women, um, you know, poetry I read that, you know, I told you a little bit about spoken word. I used to right. run to New York in, in college. And I remember taking these words in and actually having something shift inside of me. And wow. it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean like I want, I wanted to go out and um, run to the UN and like protest or, yeah, I mean, there, it, it, it doesn't, that's not the type of change I'm saying I want this novel to be. I just want someone to read it and, and feel that inside and know there is something you can do. And even if it's nothing, it's just talking about it. Right. Meaningful discussion leads to change. And so all I'm really wanting to accomplish with this is to start that discussion. Uh, and really, that's that's the goal. I mean, I, yeah. you know, that's that's it. Stories are powerful. They're very, very powerful tools. So um, and I know you also had listed um, organizations that that people can yeah. you know work with or send money to or, or different ways to help out. So I'll, I'll put that in the notes and stuff like that. Awesome. I wanted to ask this. I kind of feel like I know the answer. Are there any parts of the story that are autobiographical, or is it all anything? Any parts That's of it a that? Great question. Okay. I will tell you that I I, mean, I don't want to give everything away, but poetry is a big part of Asia, one of the sisters' right journeys. Um, and then for the other sister, uh, when she ends up being separated from her sister, she ends up in New York and, and photography is a huge part of her. Uh, and both, both of those art forms have been near and dear to me. Uh, so really that their passion that arises from that comes from my own, okay. uh, as well as just like the little things about New York. I mean, it's have to really, to capture New York, it's like a beat, right? right. It's a beat of a city. And I moving to California. I it's the one thing I miss about New York. I love the West Coast, but uh, I guess writing about it was really fun because I'm writing about this like heavy topic, you know. Yeah, I, it was just really fun to add in these passions because um, it just it just made it alive. It made these girls have true agency. It made me feel like I'm sharing my heart in a different way. So right. those are those are the, I guess you could say, autobiographical pieces. I, I, I was going to ask also, because obviously, you know, the book is about these two sisters. You have a sister you're close to. The title is For My Sister. It was a title maybe kind of a dedication to your actual sister in a way? Yeah, I mean, I write this in my acknowledgments in the end, which um, I always read acknowledgments when I read a book just yeah. because it gives me an idea of like what, where this author is coming from and I heavily dedicated a lot of this to um I am very close to my brother and sister in a way uh I hope all siblings feel because huh. they are like my um they define through the bone love for me uh we have been through a lot as a family uh, my mom had cancer my dad was in coma 
Um, and, and these types of trials and tribulations test families. And for us, it just, it's made us super close. And yeah. so uh, to, for both of them. And so, and my sister, especially, she was my doula. She's, uh, you know, she was just, she's been a, a, a wonderful, just, I don't even know how to explain her Aww. presence in my life, but that feeling is for sure comes from there. I mean, these girls are so dedicated to each other. Um, and I think it's, I think it's an amazing relationship uh, beyond anything, right? And yeah. We have spouses, we have whatever. So that's the other thing I, I hope my kids see and can, yeah. even though they're fighting all the time. Of course. You know, I hope they can they're supposed see to. That. They're supposed to. Yeah. I know. I keep telling my girls, I'm like, you will become best friends. You will become best friends. There's no choice. I don't care what happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You have a lot of choices, but that's not one of them. Yeah, that actually that's not yeah, that's not your choice at all. Thanks. And then so it comes out October 18th and where can people get it? So they can get it on Barnes and Nobles, on Amazon, um it pleases import indie bookstores. It's also on bookshop.org. Okay. Uh, and uh, you can even go to your if it's not at your local bookstore, it'll be at some local bookstores here in San Diego when we first come out. It's going to be if you're in San Diego, it'll be at Diesel Bookstore in Del Mar. Um, you know, it, it, I'm going to be at Warwick's. It's another bookstore in La Jolla. So uh, you go to your local bookstore. If they don't have it at the time, they they can order it. A friend of mine just ordered it from her local neighborhood bookstore. So please do support them because yes. I love Amazon and Barnes and Nobles. I'm so grateful they have um, such a plethora of books. But if you have the ability, it's such a wonderful way to keep the community and your local bookshops uh, I love going. That. And also, if you happen to be going on a book tour outside of California. Come to Dallas. I'll uh, I'll host you over here. So yes, would would love that. Would love to love that. Yes, no, totally. We should come to Dallas. Like I got you. Okay, Chai Mamas. Of course, that's how I know you and and how we kind of connected. For South Asian moms, you guys, you know, in the Instagram feeds, share very honest, open uh, post. To me, as we all know, Instagram and all these social media platforms, half of it, I'm, I just can't, I can't handle a lot of it anymore. Like I'm just, it's the, the fakeness, uh, I, I don't even know. I, I have a headache with social media. I think I'm just getting too old. But I really appreciate what you guys share. So you should know that. I know social media in general is not an easy thing to deal with daily. Um, in fact, it's my least favorite part of what I do. And so one, you know, I don't even know how four of you guys met. So just, you know, quick story about that. And then yeah. what are you guys working on now? We met in uh, 2000 and I want to say 11. Um, or actually, I met one of the Chai Mamas prior to that, 2009. Okay. And I had I moved to San Diego, like I was telling you, from New York. I was a little homesick at times and I had a wedding to go to. I went to this Indian sari tailor. Okay. And she was so awesome. Like a little, little apartment, you know, she was like just... She had a young kid and she was just doing this on the side. Yeah. Her husband like worked for some company nearby. And she's like, oh my gosh, I know this other girl who just moved to San Diego. She's she's just like you. You should meet. Total typical auntie behavior. Totally. And I was like, you know what? I should meet her because I am missing like just friends. And I was yeah. like, why not? And so she had just, Nisha is the chai mama that I had met. Um, she had just had her baby. And we met at this like little restaurant in North Park. My husband and I weren't even married at the time. And so he's like, what are we doing? We're meeting this stranger that you met through your uh, sorry tailor. And they have an infant that's coming. Like what's happening? Yeah. Like, We're just going to go out for dinner. Just We're go with it. Whatever. It's fine. Yeah. Just go with it. You know, and he he knows I'm like, 
I'm the, he's the introvert, I'm the extrovert. So I'm like, okay, whatever. So I, we go and we hit it off. And so her and I became like friends. We met, we'd hang out, we'd talk. Her neighbor was is Rena, who's on the team. So okay. they became friends because she met Rena through um, a common friend her Rena's husband had. So then we're all kind of, I didn't really get to know Rena until a little later, but love her. And then this is crazy. Her friends, her childhood friend, she's from Virginia, um, was moving to San, moving to actually not San Diego, Orange County. That's Shredda. And so she said, hey, I have this other friend who's moving. And at the time I was doing my yoga training, I didn't have kids yet. Three of them all were like pregnant or had kids. Um, and they were like, can you meet up after your training one night? I'm like, sure. So we go. I had been like cleansing. So I'm like, oh, I'll order a margarita. I started drinking it. I'm like, oh, this is making me sick. I'm not sure what's going on. They're like, okay, whatever. So we talk and she's like, I had this idea. Puja's a writer and she loves writing. Um, she's super into health and fitness. And then Shraddha's into fashion and, you know, I, I, your design. I'm into fashion. She was kind of like talking about all our roles. And she said, what if we just started a blog? Like, right. I know, I know you have experience with blog. I'm like, oh, yeah, I can set us up. We can work on it. Let's do it. This is pre all this crazy noise on social media you're talking right. about when we're like, oh, let's just do a blog. What does yeah. that mean? You know? And so the week after in serendipity, I found out I was pregnant. And so I'm like, cause I said to her, I'm like, how am I going to contribute? You want to be a mom blog, but I'm not even a mom. She's like, well, you want to be a mom one day. And you're the one that like knows about all the health and fitness and yoga and meditation. I was like, yeah, okay, yeah. I'll contribute. Right. And then I called them and I'm like, well, I guess I can contribute as mom. They're like, oh, that's so God. funny. You know, so uh, that's how we started. We okay. started a blog. We ended up just organically blogging. Right. And uh, what's crazy is Parents Magazine one year um, we got nominated for Best New Mommy Blog. That's awesome. And we were just enthralled. We're like, what? This is so random. So that was an exciting nomination. And we were just blogging about stuff that was important to us talking down to like, you know, breastfeeding, like we put I remember we put the one that went viral is um, the fenugreek tea we drank for that our moms used to make, you know, so it was just it was a lot of that. Um, and we slowly started to slow down. Um, our kids were getting older. And we started having more guest posts blog. And then we kind of joined social media Instagram a little later in the game than yeah. some others. Um, I think we were just not as we we end up getting on and I remember Shadda's like we should get on Instagram you know let's just do it so <sighs> that's now we're like connecting with all of you and it's yeah but like you said it's like we're too old for this like we're not gonna put anything fake up because it's like we're too we don't have the energy or bandwidth to do any of that like we're like this is real this is what we think this right. is what we've been doing for 10 plus years whatever so <laughs> right right you like it you don't like it that's whatever team in a nutshell. Yeah. right i love it well you guys have grown a great community like it just seeing you know there's and there's a lot of communities on on instagram on social media and maybe it's because we all are moms and we are a little older i'm doing air quotes because i don't believe in age yes, quote unquote, yeah. <laughs> we're the elder millennial right? yes yeah, right not, right yeah. Yeah, yeah um but i mean like it just seems like a really open and real and honest community. It feels comfortable. It feels like you don't have to be perfect to post with you guys. Or, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, it just feels easy and it's more it's more my speed for sure. And I think a lot of people feel that yeah. way. So you guys have built this environment on social media, which is, I think, very welcoming. And so that's a, that's a big deal, especially nowadays. Yeah, especially because we 
we're working with all these amazing South Asian women. Um, I mentioned Alka Joshi. Uh, the reason I even met Alka Joshi was because she came to our book club and I reached out to her after the book club and she was so open. I said, listen, I'm coming out. I, I just finished a manuscript. I don't know what to do. I'm querying. I'm getting these rejections. What should I do? Right. She gave me some amazing advice on on editing process. If I had not gotten that advi- advice, I probably would not have made it the time I made. It. I probably would have, but it, it yeah. take, she just put me on, you know, and I, I thought about that later and I was like, that's what just being open does when you're, you know, when we just want to be open and talk to everybody because yeah. at the same time, like when you're lifting other people, like it's just it's just like this constant like flow of good energy. So why not? You know, so that that's just been the I am um, totally with you on that. But you would be surprised and I'm sure you've had this experience as well. Yes, we've had this experience. Yeah. Yes. You know, when I started my podcast journey, I had gotten no's from people that I thought were actually friends of mine. Because yeah. I and and there was it was not no nothing was outwardly said about oh you're not big enough or this or I don't have enough followers or whatever it is, it was just very surprised. I learned a lot. I've learned a lot this past couple of years. Sadly, with you know dealing with a lot of South Asian women, and I never understood it because I'm I'm always about like it's true. Let's just help. Like I don't I would help anyone. I agree because I'm like there's always going to be someone who's who's really the same boat you are or were like it isn't that life like we all we all end up connecting somehow on something so i just i i do hear you we've had that experience and what's been interesting about that is that because like i said we're just like okay we don't have time for this (laughs) right (laughs) right you just can roll it off your back you know totally um but we've had that we've had that moment and it, it is a little disheartening you're like wow that's so not what i thought would have happened um I had this author, Christina Rasmussen. She is phenomenal. Okay. Um, she wrote the novel Second First. She she read my book and I wasn't sure if she was going to read it. She's like this best-selling author, you know. And she said, um, one of the first things she wrote, she was like, of course I'm going to read. She said, I remember when I was a debut author, what who who um who had said yes to me and who hadn't, and what that felt like. And so she was, I mean, and then she read it and then she even provided me like some amazing, um, an amazing review of it. So after that, I thought, well, this is what, this is all you have to do. Just step into that person's shoes. Like you were there right. once or you weren't there. And that's what makes the world go around. But social media is draining. Everybody doesn't oh my God. look at it that way. They're Seriously. not. Seriously. Yeah. They're, my ne- they're my next step is to hire like a young end to do my social media. Cause I'm like, I'm not, I'm obviously don't know what I'm doing. Yes. So. Oh, yeah, I know. It's fine. Any projects that you guys are working on now that you want to talk about with Chime Mamas? Sure. We always do. Uh, it's wonderful. As you know, we love giving back. We're doing, um, we do a, a charity kind of event. Uh, it's local in San Diego, but we do a lot online as well. Okay. It's going to be towards the holidays. And so that's going to be our next, I guess, offering, you can say. Uh, we're going to be posting about it soon. Okay. And it's in collaboration with Unity SME. They're a wonderful organization as well. We've been working with them for the last five years. So awesome. they they choose uh, cities. And so where our Chai Mamas chapters is in SoCal. And um, and then we, we all collaboratively give back to a number of organizations. And it's a large mass scale impact that way. Um, usually children's organizations. And usually it has to do with toys or goods. But last year we had um, done it for a domestic violence shelter. And we were able to raise 
you know, funds as well as items for the whole shelter for what they needed. And it's a South Asian based shelter here in um, OC called Sahara Cares. And so we really like connecting with causes that um, that align with with us. Right. Yeah. And so women, um, especially South Asian, uh, are often overlooked in this way, you know, and, and we were so happy to see there was an actual domestic violence shelter for them. So that was really cool to do that last year. And, and this year we're going to be announcing who we're working with and and um, putting it out on Instagram. So everyone will see that. That's awesome. All right. Well, yeah, I'll definitely tag you guys on, on this episode as well. You also have great products. I was just checking out the site today. I knew, I know you guys had have products oh, like Rockies and, and so I, people need to definitely check that out as well. All right. So we're going to do a quick fast round. So first thing you can think of. Okay. Kind of thing. Who would you like to collaborate with that you haven't yet? Oh gosh, let me think. This is a really hard one because I'm not always on social media. Um, but there's one nonprofit I have been eyeing and working with, talking to a little. They're called OUR Rescue. Okay. Rescue. Um, they're not South Asian, however, they're worldwide. And oh my gosh, I'd love to collaborate with them. They're doing such good work. Okay. Um, and I think, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. See, it wasn't as hard as you thought. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> if you could have your own Netflix show, what would it be about? It would be about art and social change. I think I would love to do like some sort of docu-series or something on how art, writing, poetry, uh, photography, how that's impacted social change or be in a project like that. Love it. What would you <laughs> this like is not to... as hard as I thought, but I was like, what am I going to say? Yeah. Exactly. What would you like to be known for at the end of your career? Really good bucks. That change lies. Change so this, people. This next one is a new one I just thought of today. I was like, this would be funny. Okay. So you might, it, this, this is a little bit harder. It's not really a, a, a one word answer. And the reason I'm asking you this is because I have so many of these stories. Can you recall any funny or awkward middle school or high school stories? that kind of defined you? Yes. Okay. So I used to always bring my lunch, um, but I packed my lunch. And as a firstborn daughter, I packed my, I packed my brother and sister's lunches too. Uh, but I really love Pepla. They're like, the jockey, <laughs> um, you know, Oh like my God. I have, pep- I bring Pepla on the plane now. It's ridiculous. Anyways, continue. I love it. I mean, and then when I was really little, I was embarrassed by it. But then as I got older, I was kind of like, I love this. I'm just going to bring it in, you know? So I would put cream cheese in the middle of my table and like, like almost like a bagel, but it was like a, but it tastes so good. Anyone who has not tried cream cheese in table, you've got to do it. It's so good. Um, and then, so I would, I would bring that in and it was kind of, I guess I like do remember that. I mean, you just mentioned like embarrassing, just the way I felt, which is actually like so interesting because it's a little smelly. Like when you open it up, that methi masala is not, you know, it, it's not subtle, a, um, not subtle, interesting smell, yeah. not subtle. So I'm like, I would like slowly open up the aluminum foil and then I'm like slowly eating my pig blood, you know, and I just, I'll never forget that feeling. Like why I felt so embarrassed, but I was so in love with the pig that I just kept bringing. Totally. So, uh, my family was jokes that I'm like a fob, you know, fob, whatever. So I'm like, well, Whatever, that's that's part of it, you know. Girl, uh, same. I would bring it to school. I remember bringing it to elementary school and being embarrassed, yeah. actually. Yeah. Um, and now, literally, if I travel with my kids, I have tepla in my bag and atanu. I literally bring atanu with me. And I'm like, wow, love it. I love it. You're doing it. Well, we've done recently, if you don't want to bring that atanu, we've done marmalade, like orange marmalade. Huh. 
Good op- good option. Just throwing good option. All right. Lovers out there. <laughs> that was so good. It's just so good. So good. Uh, any any time of the day, like it's like cereal. You can eat it anytime. <laughs> I just thought of someone else I would love to collaborate with and yeah. I'll put it out there. Please do. Um, I have been eyeing also um I've been eyeing also Mindy Kaling. Um only because I respect everything. Obviously this is a dream, but I I do see this book turning into more than just a book. And so I would love some sort of I'm not sure, but I just just I know that she recently launched Killing International and I've been following and I just yep. love that whole um, idea of making this more than a story that's on paper. And so I'm not sure what that vision is, but I've got a whole space for it and, and put it out there. Throw it out there. I can see it. I can see it happening. You never know. You never know. As always, I could probably have a part two and part three to that conversation. Super fun talking to Pooja. What a fantastic human being. You guys, please check out her book, For My Sister, coming out everywhere on October 18th. And as Pooja mentioned, um, always try to support your local bookstores. Also, check out her other organization, Chai Mamas. They are on all socials. And I will also link all the nonprofit organizations that Pooja had mentioned uh, if you want to check those out. As always, you can follow me at Tucker.podcast, Tucker.withummy.com. Thank you guys for listening. I will see you guys next week. This is Tuckered Out. <laughs>